Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And I am coming to you here, kind of live, in the middle of nowhere, out here in Arizona. And it is, I believe, Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day, although I'm one day behind. And I'm also seem to be one day off my schedule of Tuesdays and Fridays. And so we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. First, we're going to take a deep breath in through the nose, deep cleaning out that old air in the lungs. This is just a prompt and reminder because you can never do too much good, clean breathing. And then we will launch into what we're going to talk about today, which I haven't really completely formulated a title for as I record this. So let's see what it goes. So at a practical level, uh, if you've been watching uh, YouTube, you can see that I have finally decided to start making videos again on a specific subject as opposed to my normal kind of all over the place. And so uh, I am going to try to stay focused over there on what I made that statement of, uh, you know, to ask women to take ownership of their personal peace and safety. Uh, but I think I'm going to split it as best I can. Over there will be the visual stuff. And over here will be the internal stuff, doing the real work. And so uh, part of that process of doing the real work is putting my affairs in order. And uh, I, the problem with living in two places is apparently I left without some documentation. I swear I would have had it with me. Of course, I have all the other pieces of paper, but the one I need. So my payment processor is offline and uh, I am trying to deal with that as best I can here. And it'll be a few weeks before my temporary fix uh, we'll see if that goes into effect. But if that doesn't, uh, I won't be able to really solve anything until I get back into New Mexico. So uh, I am officially offline for payment. So you should see a pause in your, if you're paying at a monthly rate. Uh, and uh, I'm in scramble mode. So, uh, and one of the things I need to do is to, to spread out the how, because right now I've just been dependent on Stripe uh, they're not doing anything, you know, conspiratorially. I just do not have the right pieces of paper that I uh, was supposed to bring with me. I'm sure they're somewhere just sitting there. You know how that goes. So uh, we're in a hold mode when it comes to that. Uh, but we will still be pursuing our uh, content because that will continue regardless. Uh, the second thing is... My goal is to really try to stay focused. So, uh, you know, it's what's happening right now inside my little brain is I'm having huge downloads of information. Uh, and one of the things, you know, I keep saying over and over is that I have too much information. And I also know there's too much information out there. But, you know, we live in a world of keywords and over stimulation. And so for this, for now, uh, I'm going to attempt to bump up uh, the amount of content I produce because especially over at YouTube, which, you know, won't affect you here. But the reason I'm bringing it up is if you go into the 
uh, settings on your Substack, you can actually choose which emails you want to get or not at all. Uh, if you have the app, you know, new podcasts for me will just come up. But I am hyper aware that I can't stand uh, a lot of email notification. But the way that Substack works is that uh, you get emails when I publish. Because what I've noticed is if I don't send out that email, then nobody looks. So uh, I'm going to probably start sending a lot more emails out. If you don't want those, then uh, either, you know, you can unsubscribe from uh, certain posts. Uh, I'm going to try at some point, I want to get organized enough where uh, I have just a setting for like once a week or once a month, maybe just as a reminder, because I know if you get zero contact from me, you will disappear altogether. We're just like that, aren't we? We have to be very dedicated to finding information <clears throat> when we, uh, without having it being hand-fed to us. So uh, I've found in my own practices, uh, I have to be super committed for me to, to uh, dig out your other person content that isn't just, you know, magically brought and placed before my eyeballs. But I also know I unsubscribe from people who hammer me with, you know, three emails a day, which I'm not going to do that because I can't stand, like nobody needs to be listened to three times a day. So, uh, but I just want to give you a heads up that uh, you might start to see an increase in the contact uh, or the email contact. So uh, that is happening. Uh, and the third thing is, is I want to say thank you uh, for those of you. I only got a couple comments on the uh, last podcast from women, and I deeply appreciate it. It was very good, very informative. Uh, and thank you to the men who showed restraint. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. And it really helps me uh, when I hear what you hear me say to, to know how I want to you know move forward. And uh, and that sort of takes me into uh, what we want to talk about today, because, uh, you know, my one of my big stresses with doing any of this stuff, you know, I like one-on-one -on -one conversation because I can look at you, I can watch you, I can adapt to what we two are talking about. And in these uh, public forums, you know, everybody's having a private experience. It feels like one-on-one, -on -one, yet everybody's hearing something different. And I get all discombobulated because I'm trying to respond to the 9,000 different ways people are taking the information in. And as I was looking at the comments on the video, it was just a reaffirmation, you know, that people hear what they want to hear, uh, which rarely has anything to do with what I say. And so instead of fighting that, you know, my goal is to move forward on that and just start throwing things out. And so, uh, like I said, I had a huge, I'm having these huge download of information right now. And s normally I don't share what I hear in the respect to, uh, it makes me crazy when people say, God told me, I just, you know, yeah, that's your personal revelation, but it doesn't mean it's true for everybody in all way and all time. And I'm even getting some of that right now that says, no, it isn't that it's true. It's just time to start saying certain things out loud. Uh, and part of owning who we are and our process in this life is, be willing, is being willing to explore why we 
are upset about things we hear or why we don't want to know certain things uh, and how tight we want, you know, our little tiny bubble to be of information. And, you know, when someone pushes at that door, it causes a reaction, uh, then it's probably something we need to look at, even if maybe, you know, right then isn't the right time. And so uh, I feel kind of this guidance to start saying things that might be not true in the grandiose picture of things, but important to stimulate us to start thinking about things in a different way. Uh, not because I'm right, but because, you know, if there's anything I've learned about myself is if uh, when I was 18 or 19, I was at Target. I was my first job after uh, I worked at Knott's Berry Farm and I left Knott's Berry Farm to work at Target. And I remember there was about there was about 100 people in the room and they were this is before, you know, I knew anything or all this other stuff, right, that we know now. But uh, they were trying to coerce us into donating to the United Way. And they wanted us to donate a portion of our check. And uh, but now, you know, I know it was public pressure, right? Put everybody in a room and push on the group to pr to be the pressure of conforming or you'll be a weirdo or there's something wrong with you. Uh, and I remember it was just me and one other person that said no because they did this publicly, you know, trying to shame and push you into doing this. Uh, and I, you know, those were sort of the beginning inklings of, you know, I'm just not like most people because I've always been the person in a room full of people that will stand up and say the thing that nobody wants to hear. Uh, and sometimes I just push back because I can't stand everybody pushing on me to conform. And I push back, not because I may be even passionate about what I'm pushing back about. I don't like that pressure. Uh, and that's really what I was speaking to uh, in the last podcast when I was saying, you know, as women, are we so tired because of the pressure? But I think, you know, the flip side of that is we are being under such collective pressure uh, that we're starting to show our colors about who will stand up and push back. And it always takes those first few people to buck the system for the next waves to follow. And part of doing that is being willing to say things that other people don't want to hear. Not because they're true or not, but because it, it breaks that pressure. You know, unbroken pressure will destroy everything in its path. You know, once you have the, once the tidal wave or the tsunami hits the shore, you can't stop it. The best you can do is when you have some warning that it's coming is to try to make changes or deal with it. But once the tsunami is there, there's nothing you can do about it. And we're so close to the tidal wave or the tsunami collectively in our world, there really isn't a lot we can do. But it's hard for, for people like me, it's hard to just not do anything. So, you know, I'm trying to pick my own little part of this and how I want to move forward, knowing I'm not going to stop the tsunami. But as I spoke to you about the crucible, right, there's the after period where you clean up the destruction and you start again. And oftentimes what we don't want to hear or know about ourselves or each other or collectively 
before the tsunami hits. We're much more open to after the tsunami. So when we're collecting all this information in our world that's just in massive overload right now, we really don't know which seeds planted will will grow after the tsunami and the tidal wave have passed. And that may be literal, right? We may have the the pole shift. It might be a literal tsunami or tidal wave. So we're in such a crazy, crazy place. Uh, but the value that we can get from having this language conversation about push-pull-pause pressure uh, is that it removes the need for the idea itself and allows you to understand the energy. And, you know, one of the comments was, it's just so hard because so many people are having so many feelings. And now we're in a public forum. We have a massive comments, you know, online where everybody feels the need to talk about every single thought and feeling that they're having. Uh, and because we don't have that feedback mechanism of being one-on-one, people are losing their ability to have a rational conversation. Uh, and, and, you know, the second piece of that is, is you're starting to hear what people really think and feel and how they respond. You know, I've said this over and over, like the end of my relationships would be when I said, can I ask what you heard me just say? And what would come back was so devastating because it didn't have anything to do with what I had just offered. I, you know, in particular, I offered something once that was so personal and intimate and vulnerable. And what came back was the total opposite of it. And that was the moment I was done. Like you can't be in a relationship with a person who's hearing everything completely opposite of what you're saying, especially when it's your deepest truth. And so we're in this crazy place where uh, we are becoming aware that we can't listen to each other. So the power of understanding what all these things feel like, what who's pushing at you, who's pulling away from you, who's freezing up in front of you, uh, what when is pressure too much and how can we respond to that pressure is it removes the right and not right the good and the bad it removes everything but do i want it or do i don't want it and when you can do that you can navigate the chaos and the craziness a little bit better it doesn't mean you get what you want and life is perfect because I think we're in this, sorry, dog activation. Uh, we're in this moment where everything is so uncertain that all we can do is our best to navigate what's happening and realize that we are in a period that's going to be probably, and I hope not, but probably just more and more of I don't want but I think what I've noticed when you study history, it's the resilience is built when there's a seed of hope, when there's the light of hope. And traditionally, that's been our children. I was thinking about that this morning. I was listening to, uh, is it Brett Weinstein uh, as a professor? And I've never uh, sat and listened to him for any extended period of time. But 
Uh, but what he was talking about, it occurred to me that he was talking about the universities and how spoiled and uh, there was a some kind of incident and I was just listening. I couldn't see the video, but all I heard was girls screaming and shrieking at the top of their lungs. Uh, and he was just trying to have a rational conversation. Uh, and that's them pushing and him not uh, pushing back. And they just keep pushing harder, pushing harder, pushing harder because they haven't ever had the boundaries placed that see that's like back up. And, uh, so this is not about, you know, right or wrong, boy or girl, whatever. It's about at this moment, our capacity to navigate through what's coming will be so much easier when we don't focus on the politics or the ideology and we can just feel the pressure. Like I was in that room with a hundred young people uh, and being manipulated. I didn't know what was happening. I only felt the pressure. Like there's something pushing on me that's asking me to do something. And I don't even care if it's, you know, like, you know, I'm a huge save the world person, right? So it wasn't that I don't want to help people. I don't want someone manipulating me. And I didn't have the language for it, but I felt the pressure. And so my response is to push back. No, I'm not going to do that, even if it's, quote unquote, for a good cause. Of course, like now, we know, they're running the human trafficking, right? So, I mean, it's uh, we have a more sophisticated understanding when we're older. But as a young girl, I still could recognize there's a pressure being pushed on me to do something. I don't know what it is. Uh, that they want what the, I didn't have an agenda conversation. All I had was the awareness that I am being pushed. And I said, out of 100 people, there was two people that said no, which sort of goes to my whole, you know, wired for danger thing. Like most people cave to pressure because they're not comfortable saying no. And so, you know, when the comment was, you know, there's just too much energy and feelings and it's overwhelming. And, and you know, I think what when we take a step back, you know, we can't control what anybody else is doing through all this. Uh, and it's going to continue probably to escalate and people will crack. I'm finding myself cracking under pressures that normally I wouldn't have cracked under. And. Uh, so we don't know because you just don't know when you're tired, you know, you're just going to not have as much room to hold your ground. And so as we move forward, part of this conversation is how are we going to stay safe through all of this? And uh, and you really there's not a whole lot you can do about, you know, your body, but mentally, emotionally and spiritually, because we just don't have control over a lot of things that are happening uh, but one of the things that we will have to learn and become better at, myself included, as I'm observing, you know, my own difficulty, you know, with the constant pressure of the terrible things that are happening, uh, is I can't push back because I can't change anything. But I can do a better job of containment of what I allow in. And that's a boundary. And 
I think what, you know, women, I don't know how it is for men. I know, you know, I haven't had kids, but I still have that thing, right, where I'm, part of me is always listening. And the minute, you know, one of the dogs does, you know, like say a midnight vomit, there's a part of me that just jumps up, turns the light on and grabs the towel without even thinking about it. There's something, right, that activates in my deep sleep that says somebody's in trouble and I wake up and I immediately, uh, you know, know what to do because that sound has been, you know, after 30 years of dogs, right, that's been ingrained in me. And so there's a part of me that's always listening. I'm always paying attention to who needs something. Uh, how can I, you know, be of assistance? Uh, you know, the safety factor for me is danger. So there's a part of me that's always listening and paying attention. Uh, and where is the danger and who do I need uh, to get away from? And, you know, so we have a lot of our energy being engaged all the time for different reasons, you know, for caretaking, for safety. Uh, if we're seeking something, you know, when I think uh, women are looking for a, a romantic partner, then they're out seeking, you know, paying attention to everybody that's coming forward. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons why we are uh, using our energy field to listen and get things out in the environment. So we're opening ourselves to the flow of energy. But we're in such an overstimulated world with too much information, which is part of the social engineering, which is part of the point to all of this, uh, because there's also electromagnetic frequencies being bombarded. I mean, there's there's what we can see and there's what we can't see. And and uh, and we don't even understand, you know, dimensionally and frequency. I mean, there's just more we don't know than what we do know. But the principle applies whether you are talking about 12 dimensions or if you're just talking about like me and the dogs, right? So it's the same principle. And that's what's fascinating about the push-pull-pause thing is that it removes all the need for detail. And it's just the simplest structure of how our universe operates. And when you take the judgment off of it or the uh, fear off of it or you know, you don't even have to name it, you know, is this a good, so, you know, I'm in the, the meeting, right? I don't, it doesn't matter what they're trying to tell me to do or why they're trying to tell me to do it. All I have to know is I can feel pressure and I don't want that. And I can say no. Now there are instances where we can't say no, but in that instance, I could say no. And that's how we, I think, will best move through this is to not listen to the words. And now because of the AI, you can't even watch with your eyes. But the body never lies. It's that gut feeling, right? That's where mind comes into our physicality is through the gut. And how do we navigate by... Uh, it's like being blind, right? You're just navigating by energy. And when you can't feel that, it makes it extremely difficult. And all humans are capable. Uh, women are actually wired to respond at that level a little bit better the way our brains are wired. Uh, but 
it's like anything. If you're not good at it, find somebody else who is, you know, and trust them. I was thinking about, you know, the Terminator movie, right? They took dogs so they could sniff out who was a real human and who was not. We should be able to do the same thing. And you do that by trusting your gut. You have a sensory system that will let you know what's happening. What we have to do at this point to navigate and adapt is to trust that. But part of that process is to shut down the overload because you flood the system and there's too much noise. You can't get the signal. And I think that's going to be, you know, part of our work is how do we keep other people's energy away from us? How do we keep too much information away from us? How do we filter? How do we manage this process? Because uh, first, you know, we have to recognize when there's pressure and when there's not pressure. But how do we manage it? And more importantly, especially if you have children or animals, right, we have to manage it for those that can't. Uh, one of the things that was really fascinating to me was when the dogs uh, the therapy dogs were brought in for the 9-11 survivors. I know I've told the story before, but but the therapy dogs were only allowed to work for two hours. And the rest of the time they had to sleep. They were exhausted from the push energy that they absorbed. Now, one of the ways to ground is to pet an animal, cats and dogs. That's why we love them. So when we can't get outside on the ground, we can pet our dog and our cat. And that actually is a grounding feature. The problem is the dog and the cat is now absorbing uh, all that energy that you have discharged into it. And so if that animal can't get outside or run or play or go lay on the ground in the sun to get it out of them, then that's why they get sick. That's why they get unbalanced. That's why they have problems. So, you know, good to know you can use your animals to help you ground, but but re recognizing, you know, like children, they can only take so much before they start having, uh, you know, feedback issues. And so they have to be accommodated and they have to be a protected. And, and by understanding that, right, everybody wins. Uh, by not understanding that, it's it's a a win lose situation, which isn't you know the goal. The goal is how does everybody win from all of this, and and part of win win is learning to say no, and so you know there's two parts to that. One is how do we set that boundary from too much energy coming at us, and how do we contain ourselves so we're not too much energy on the other and that's you know most demonstrated in romantic relationships that push and that pull right one person withdraws their energy the other one panics and pushes and runs after them uh you know that it's there's that dance and you know when when both people are want to be there it's magical when one person wants to be there and the other person doesn't want to be there it's a nightmare for everybody but that's that push pull you know when do you move forward when do you move back and you know in a perfect romantic interlude it's awesome it's like physically dancing it's that magical chemistry where you 
you just flow and it's awesome and wonderful. Uh, and then, you know, the verse, reverse of that is when one person wants something completely opposite of the other person, then it's a clash and everybody's miserable. And and all of that is just simple push-pull-pause, right? It's just the response to pressure I want, pressure I don't want, withdrawing I want, withdrawing what we want. We're constantly responding to the pressure. And everything is just a mix of that. You know, how we're manipulated is a mix for that. How we fall in love is a mix for that, right? How we stay safe is a mix of all that. So it's all the same language of push-pull-pause and pressure, uh, want, don't want. So if we can reduce our experience within that framework, then we can start to navigate things we don't understand. Uh, because none of us really understand 100% what's going on. Because there's too many things going on and we don't know what's real and what we what's not real. But our body doesn't lie to us. Our body lets us know there's that knot in the stomach, like something's not right here, even though the words are all perfect and the situation is perfect and it's everything I want. We override our gut that's warning, 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 and we allow ourselves to step into a situation that's going to bite us in the rear end. And sometimes we don't have a choice. Sometimes we can hear the warning bells and we have no choice. And, you know, my take on that, because that's been my experience kind of repeatedly these last, uh, especially these last few years, is to get better at being uh, able to come and go, right? So I can't just plop my butt someplace and have that be the answer to all my problems. I have to become more uh, adaptable. I have to become more efficient at moving more quickly because that's what the world is going to be asking from us as we move into the future. Uh, you know, one of the big things I want to start talking about, especially on these videos, when I'm talking about taking ownership for our safety, I was thinking a lot about this. And what's going to be difficult, especially for men and women, is that we are used to evaluating safety, danger, things like that, based on the culture that we grew up in. But what's happening is we are bringing into this country people who have a very different version of what their culture says is okay and not okay behavior. Uh, when I was in my early 20s traveling, I was in Greece, and this was, you know, before the internet, so it was just word of mouth having conversations, and uh, one of the things I was told is, as a young woman, you don't want to go on a date with a Greek man, you don't want to be alone with him, was basically what they were saying, because in his culture, he can rape you because you're not married and you agreed to go out with him. Like, he expects sex, whether you're participating or consenting or not, and you know, at home, that might be the expectation, but it wasn't the usual experience. You know, you could go out with a boy in America, they may want to have sex, but you could say no. And in most cases, statistically for American women, they will hear your no. Uh, but in certain cultures, 
You don't even have the right to say no. Uh, we saw that witnessed in Sweden, where they used to have the lowest incidence of rape in the world. Now, I think they're the highest or the second highest uh, country with rape. And it's a cultural issue. And, and why that's so important is that that is our blind spot, right? We, we move into the world, and I've said this over and over, right? Our belief system is often projected onto everybody else because there's not, uh, we don't have critical thinking. We think, well, this is just the way people are because this is the way I am. We can't, people haven't been taught to make that leap that, that no, this culture has a very different uh, experience or practice than the one that you're used to. And so if you want to be safe, you need to respect that. And uh, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, it's ingrained. And we in America are, or maybe all Western countries, Europe and you know Australia, New Zealand, uh, we have are completely ignorant to that and naive in our good-heartedness. And it's going to be a huge wake-up call for people when uh, you are used to operating with an unwritten code of conduct that your culture brings with it when you start clashing with these wildly different cultural norms. And uh, it's terrifying as a woman to think about these things because uh, there's no solution to it other than just not being uh, in proximity to it. Uh, there's just nothing you can do when there's 10 guys and just you, there's nothing you can do. And when I talk about these things like, uh, oh, you know, just say no. Well, there's going to be times where you just can't say no. And so the best thing you could have done was to pay attention to that intuition, that gut feeling that says, get out of here and not knowing why and, and trusting it. Uh, because in one cultural norm, you can say no and you can walk away. In another, you were never given the chance. And so until we take responsibility for that, take ownership that the rules are going to be radically changing. It's not just enough to talk about what's gone on in our past. Uh, when I'm talking about taking ownership, I'm talking also about what's coming in our future. And I think, you know, for the men that are listening, you have operated in a world with one set of rules, and now we're moving into a world that's going to have a completely different set of rules. And, you know, what I've seen, how men respond to that uh, is not going to be useful in the future. So uh, we're all going to be facing a radically different world. You know, we're at that cusp of the crucible. We're at that front end that says the bad, the big thing, the bad thing, the big thing isn't quite in full motion yet. Like we can see the tidal wave coming, but it's not quite on shore. Uh, and we're not in the cleanup stages. We have the luxury of, a, for most of us, we have the luxury of a little bit of time. Uh, we get to decide what we want to do with it, right? We can just 
live in full denial and just party on like everything is fine. Uh, we can live in fear and hunker down and hide and just write it out. Uh, we can rush to the front lines and we can fight for the future that we want. Uh, it really, what you choose to do in this moment of time is two things. One is it's, you are probably most likely defaulting into your primary response to danger. Whether you are freezing up and denying, whether you are running away and hiding, or whether you are joining the fight, uh, the one thing we have all in common is we don't win this. Uh, the question is, will we survive it, and what will we build after it's over? And that's depressing. That's the difficulty. That is the difficult part to navigate, that there's no... Uh, hero coming in to save the day where everything's going to be okay. Uh, and where I have planted my flag, it's like, okay, I know I can't do a lot about here and now, but I can focus on learning from the experience and plant the seeds in the ethers about what I would hope for in the future. What am I learning from this experience that I would want to do better in the rebuilding process uh, and, you know, maybe that's a good use of my time. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something you're interested in. Maybe it's not. But the simplicity of this idea of push, pull, pause, pressure, how do we work with the energy? The more sensitive you are to it, the more responsive you will be because you'll be comfortable trusting. Uh, and also you'll start recognizing uh, who in your inner circle maybe is taking too much energy from you, right? You heard me talk about the boy dog. Uh, he's getting, you know, when he first showed up, he was, con you know, his previous owner uh, would let him stick his tongue in his mouth. And I mean, that to me is just too gross for it. So he's finally pretty much stopped doing that. You know, my repeated, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, he's learning that I have a certain level that I won't tolerate uh, and he's adapting, you know, so all of these are skills that we can employ, you know, all day, every day. But the better we get in our inner circle, the better we will be in the outer circle. Uh, you know, the world doesn't change from the outside in. The world changes from the inside out. And it starts within ourselves. And somebody made a comment on my because uh, I was saying it's scary, you know, living in the truck, and it is. And they made a comment saying that, you know, something was evil and, you know, people who didn't want to stay home in a stable were evil to some degree. And and I liked my response. I said, well, evil lives in our heart. It doesn't live in our lifestyle. Most cultures aren't evil. They just have a lot of different rules and what they value. And and so there will always be the individuals if we understand ourselves, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. But there's also cultural evils. And all of that is this pressure, push-pull-pause, how we respond to it. So we don't have to understand everything about the culture. We just have to understand when we can see uh, they're not respecting the boundary. Like we... You know, you bring strangers into town. They're not respecting the boundaries of the locals. Don't think that won't just get worse, right? People will always show you who they are. If we can pay attention and not get focused on what we think they should be and we think or believe or feel who they are. 
uh, you know, there's those videos of those stupid girls, young, beautiful, idiotic women, teens and 20s, going alone into group, large, you know, 100, 1,000 groups of men and then being surprised that they got raped. You know, it's just ignorance is not bliss. Uh, we get to choose some things. You know, we don't get to choose what happens in every way, shape, and form. But we can make better decisions about the things that we can control. And part of that is owning these ideas. You know, there's nothing about, I mean, I've gone into people's homes as a stranger. It is really scary. And I trust my gut. And I did have, you know, that one incident where I didn't, I should never have gotten out of the car. I didn't trust my gut. And by the grace of God, I was not jumped by those five guys. I mean, just the grace. It was, they knew it. I knew it. It was horrible. So, you know, we are moving into wildly uncertain times and it's going to be hard for everybody but the best thing we can do to protect ourselves and the people that we love and the animals that we love is to get way better at trusting how we feel and pushing back when somebody is too much in our space. And sometimes that means just walking out of the room. And if they chase you down, then you know you have a boundary problem, an energy problem. And, and you can't not... You can't live your life because we're afraid we're going to hurt other people's feelings. Uh, we have to toughen up. You know, men have to toughen up. Uh, women have to toughen up. We have to treat our, we have to teach our children to toughen up. You know, at a certain age, they need to be taught to get tougher. And, you know, there's a, I, you know, there's positive pressure. There's, uh, there's graduated uncertainty. There's a way to teach and bring children into the stresses of the real world, uh, not by traumatizing them when they're two, but you know, at a certain point in time developmentally, they're ready for increases in responsibility and increases in the amount of pressure that they're under and how they respond to that pressure. Uh, teaching them you know, when to move forward, when to move back, teaching them to trust their gut, not overriding it and saying, no, you don't feel that way. This is what you want. I mean, we have to make these decisions about how we want to move forward within the context of pretty much being able to see the tidal wave offshore. Some people won't see it, right? They just turn their back and pretend like it's not there. Some people have lo long left the premises. Uh, and some of us, you know, are running towards the tidal wave. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's not accomplishing anything. <laughs> I'm going to run away from the tidal wave for right now. But uh, I'm going to talk to you here because right now we can do that. And that is, you know, our superpower. That is our greatest play, place that we can influence and manage our own experience through the amount of uncertainty and chaos that is both on us and is continuing to come down the pike and then recognizing it's not going to be perfect, right? We've had, you know, I've had a week of terrible weather and really struggle. And now we've got a week of beautiful weather. And that's just like a wildly different experience because one little thing changed. And so there's going to be uh, movement. It's not just about having perfect mastery. Uh, it's about understanding ourselves through the process and not getting bogged down by the parts that don't work 
uh, and then trusting, you know, when the, the tides shift and we are able to manage more. Uh, but again, you know, bringing it back to this really simple idea, when we understand it as a very simple language, we will be able to navigate moving forward uh, without having to understand the words themselves. So if somebody shows up and they're speaking a different language, you don't have to understand what they're saying. You'll be able to see and feel what they're doing to know where you're at. And predators push, right? Pay, prey runs away. So we, if we can trust ourselves in this process, it will make it so much more manageable. So I don't think, see it as being easy, and I don't really see a lot of happy endings through all this. But I do feel better when I can at least understand. You know, I didn't understand why I said no at that time. Now I understand perfectly what was going on and why I was only one of two people that said no. So same thing with those experiments. Uh, is it the Milgram experience? The one where they electric shocked people, uh, you know, I, I think I told you, I shared an office with a guy. It was actually uh, Michael Crichton's brother, Doug. He was part of those experiments in college. And he's, I think he said out of 250 people only in his group, only two people stopped shocking the person. And you think about that. It's an experiment. It's not even real. And 248 people continued to hurt somebody because somebody else told them to do it. We need wired for danger people to say no. But we also need to get tougher and trust ourselves to say no because more people need to say no back up. And so uh, that is our thinking process for today. Uh, I hope you have a fabulous day. My favorite forecasts of the winds are light and variable. It doesn't mean that will be true. But when they say that, sometimes that means actually there's no wind and it makes my life so much easier. So I'm excited to have a possible light and variable because that means there's no pressure from the wind and I can actually get stuff done without having to chase my crap as it gets blown all over the place. So all of this can be super simple, but it doesn't mean it's super easy. So if you were still here, I know it was a bit rambling all over the place, but it's just, I got so much getting downloaded into me right now, I can hardly even function. There's too much coming in. But at the end of it, it all breaks down into very simple, simple building blocks. And that's my real goal is to get us into these basic building blocks so that we can trust our nervous system to serve us not to break us. And we're going to leave it at that. Deep breath. Have a really good day. And I will see you next time.